0: Grow your business in Slack. Visit Slack.com to get started.
2: Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher in New York.
1: And I'm Scott Galloway. And Gan. You have to say it. Say it, Kara. Gan.
2: Gan. gan. You're in Con? Gan. Where are you?
1: Canis. Karen You're, in, you're in,
2: in France, right? You're in France. On the Cote d'Azur. What are you doing there? Why are you there?
1: I'm mostly sort of like an accoutrement that makes people feel like they have some sort of faux... PBS at their events, they invite. There's like two academics in all of Ken. It's me and Adam Grant, who is my nemesis, who I will he's someday. So
2: nice. He's such a nice. He's guy. a wonderful
1: guy. And, and what a of head that, of he's hair
2: like, he's got on him. That's a nice head of hair he's got.
1: Oh, that hurts. Uh, imagine me, but better in every dimension. He is. Really this guy, he gets invited to everything, and I'm always yeah. in like parlor two. But anyways, I'm the second academic they invite. And they all invite me to their events to, I don't know, feel like they're more PBS or something. And it's like subscribing to The Economist. I think they think it's a good idea (laughs) and then the shit actually shows up every week. I show up, and by the way, all these things are named. If you end up sitting next to me, it means they think you're really interesting and boring because they stick me next to you. And they always, uh-huh. the hosts always come up and say the same thing. They're like, you two will have so much to talk about. And I'm like, oh, you got sat next <laughs> to but me. But you're there right? for an
2: advertising conference, right? Is that correct? Because I've gone to it. I do. I am not there on purpose. I was invited, but I declined to Well, it's to come. a ton of fun.
1: Well, yeah, it's, it's a- called the What Advertising Sucks Least Conference is what right. they should really talk about it. And let's celebrate the technologically illiterate and the poor who are stuck still watching advertising because anyone with any options gets to opt out. But they don't realize when I come to these events, Mm Kara, that I drink. And when I drink, I dance. And it's really awkward. So imagine imagine a 54-year-old white male heterosexual dancing is definitely a triumph over – it's a triumph of joy over any self-awareness. You can do it. And I can tell they're all looking at me and they're going, where's Kara? Why didn't we, in- <laughs> why didn't we the, uh, invite the other one that doesn't drink? But anyways, I'm having a wonderful There's time. There's rosé.
2: There's a lot of rosé going on there, right? A lot of rosé. A lot.
1: A lot of rose, Where a lot of rose. I,
2: I, you know, years ago when I went, all the big tech. The reason I did is Facebook had a big thing on the sand right there. Twitter did. Yeah. Snapchat has. Snapchat actually always has a really cool thing. They had an art installation by Alex Israel this year. They always have something really neat. Um, and uh, it was much more uh, internet heavy before, was it this time?
1: Oh yeah, their beaches keep getting bigger. I went to an event hosted by uh, Joanna Coles, who's lovely, and Evan Spiegel, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, he looks fourteen. I mean, the guy yeah. literally, he looks like my paperboy. That guy is really young looking. He is. Um, not that that's folks. good or bad, but S- so Snap and Twitter, I, I feel like, are both kind of the comeback kids right now. I got that wrong. I thought they were history. But there seems to be a mood of, I, don't, I want to call it cautious optimism, that everyone's sort of happy that the immunities are kicking in. I think deep down, even the other tech players, including Pinterest, are sort of happy that Facebook and Google are getting... I don't want to say they're comeuppance, but there seems to be some immunities kicking in. So yeah. I feel like there's some balance here for the first time in a while. And, uh, you know, it all, balance it all to washes force, down easily. But until
2: the empire strikes back. Anyway, let's talk about, speaking of the empire striking back, yep. Libra, yep. Libra. Are you, are wow. you putting everything, wow. are you all in on Libra? Explain Libra for the people who don't understand Libra.
1: So Libra is Facebook's new currency or cryptocurrency. And from a branding standpoint, it's genius. So... At, a, at an event like, like Gan, you have a tendency to conflate great marketing and great strategy with good businesses and good people. right? We assume that great marketing connotes a great strategy yeah. because on the face of it, from a branding perspective, Libra is, is brilliant. I mean, even, even the name Libra is a, is a measurement of weight from the Romans. It's mm-hmm. where the British pound derives the symbol of their currency – It's just such a gorgeous – it's such gorgeous branding. And they literally Mm -hmm. sat down and said, okay, let's start with the assumption that nobody trusts us. How would we do this? This is cryptocurrency.
2: Explain what it is. A coin. It's a Facebook coin, essentially.
1: Transactional. But it's it's strange in the sense that it's not crypto because they're talking about creating identity and regulatory bodies and going through the traditional players such that the regulatory agencies are more comfortable with it. because. A lot of government agencies are uncomfortable with the fact of anonymity, such that money laundering or funneling yeah. capital to, from bad actors to other bad actors is something that's very dangerous. So, right. Facebook, in their eyes, tried to do everything right. They're like, okay, nobody trusts us. Let's keep. Uh, let's let's assemble a supervisory board that's a nonprofit. We've told people we're not going to use it for uh, targeting people. It's it's run by other large trusted agencies, this uh, supervisory body that includes Visa, MasterCard, a bunch of other people. And it kind of all makes sense. And the notion that they would be able to have some sort of coin that attacks the $500 billion, that's half a trillion dollar remittance industry where basically people are sending money to, to their families, mm-hmm. that charges on average a 7% fee for you to right. send your money home to your relatives – I mean, this is an industry waiting to be disrupted. It makes Mm -hmm. all kinds of sense being able to tap on that cool item or that cool scooter on Instagram and immediately have it sent to you to be able to transfer money easily. I mean, if you've tried to send a wire to Europe, it's easier to get a mortgage. It's just so... Right, so the that idea all- is that
2: a lot of the world does not have as easy as they do. We have lots of financial options here, including a, a co- yeah. company that, that Facebook owns, PayPal and Venmo. And we have credit cards and we have cash and we have bank and we have checks and everything else. But most of the world doesn't operate, especially when you're wor- working on a global basis, to be able to buy things easily on Facebook. They've tried for years to make it easy. It hasn't been easy
1: sending money back and forth the unbanked if you will is a huge opportunity and a huge need globally this thing makes all the sense in the world the only there's okay. only one problem
2: what's the one problem let me
1: guess it's the same problem as the portal it's from facebook mm-hmm. and nobody trusts facebook and if it and it doesn't take very much imagination to go to the scariest parts of history where the three pillars of tyranny or a takeover of a a society are first you get control of the media, then Mm -hmm. you get control of the money or the economy, and then that leads to control of the military. Those are the three pillars of a takeover of a society. And Margaret Mm -hmm. Atwood really, in a genius way, kind of said that the fastest way this dystopian society wanted to uh, kind of go after the power of women was to just shut off their credit cards, right? Right. So Mm -hmm. when we look at, okay, how have they handled the first leg of the stool media? People are like, okay, not so great. Do we really want to give them access to the second leg of the stool and potentially make this coin the default currency? If, if 50% of Facebook users all of a sudden started using this coin, mm-hmm. then you potentially have a new reserve currency globally. Right. And it's not even that people think that folks at Facebook are evil, which they may or may not be, but they haven't shown an ability – To think through unintended consequences nor protect bad actors from weaponizing their platform. And if you were Mm -hmm. to weaponize a global currency and start monkeying with it, you could have what what capitalists fear more than war and that is recession or some sort of global economic meltdown. All of a sudden all ATMs stop working and there's run on banks, et cetera. So you are today – and yesterday, you saw a lot of people in Washington say, "Not yeah, so fast." Guys. Not
2: so fast. And France, the France finance minister, a lot of people were saying. I thought they had Facebook is saying they've talked to all these people. So this is just, you know, they're just being public about it, even though behind the scenes they knew everything. Uh, you know they did. They had the Switzerland thing, the independent body, the idea that there's more partners. They're trying to sort of put all the like safeguards and guardrails in place, um, or or perceived yeah. guardrails. And so, why do you think everyone all of a sudden was like slow down? And in fact, I'm just looking at a, at a tweet: uh, "Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me umpteen times with a serial empty apologies. Shame on us, the hubris uh, of Facebook to even pitch this." And it's a, it's a piece. Facebook's Libra must be stopped. Um, why do you think this reaction was, and what, what do you think it'll matter?
1: Well, because if you ask Michael Jackson to babysit, anything that bad happens is your fault: <laughs> oh my
0: God.
1: And, Jeez, and so, okay, so deciding oh, to let deciding, deciding to let Facebook babysit the economy, anything bad happens, it's our fault., yeah. so yeah. it's a great idea, but perhaps it should be another entity that has like demonstrated Amazon, an ability. Perhaps?
2: Amazon? Who would be good? Oh, that's
1: at it? Kara. That's the gangster move. If Amazon comes up with a coin, because they're already in transactions, the thing is they don't have the global the global reach and right. encrypted backbone. But this is—I mean—you got to admire it. Facebook is. So, that's what I genius. said I used the word
2: gangster in my New York Times column. In case you're interested on this move, you got to read it. And I how did I used, you use it? I said gangster move. This is the gangster move of the people who have brought us—you know—the the failure of democracy is now going to do this or something like that. Some line like that. Gangsta yeah, move. so the,
1: here, here's the reality. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They want to go after the young bank. There's, of course, they're capitalists. They want people to spend more time on the platform. There's all sorts of opportunities around transactions. But they've really thought through, how do we try and assuage some of the concerns that are legitimate? And everyone's just kind of just regurgitating, saying, no, no, Mr. Jackson, we'd rather you not hang out with our kids. We, we, we trust mm-hmm. you've had chemical castration and you've learned your lesson. But sorry, boss. It's just you're not getting near little Johnny and little Susie. It's just not going to happen. What are right you hearing? I mean, I feel sort I of just, I don't know. We'll
2: see. I think everyone's sort of – I'm sort of like amazed that they made the move. It, it, fine. Whatever. They're, they're, they're trying to show that they can still, um, they can still uh, be innovative. I think that's a, part, a, a big part yeah. of it is we can still roll out – Cool, new products that are, you know, I think that's part of it a little bit. And, and the other is, I think, you know, David Marcus, who runs uh, this, was at PayPal and knows all about this. He's their sort of resident expert in this area. Many want to pit Libra versus Bitcoin. In my mind, these two are not in the same category. Bitcoin is a decorrelated investment asset. Libra is designed to be a stable medium of exchange. I have been and remain a big fan of Bitcoin, but for very different purposes. So that was an interesting, you know. I, I think he's the, cre- the co-creator of Libra, and he's leading Calibra, which is the Facebook company that's in Libra. And he used to run Messenger, PayPal, mm. and uh, he's been in finance for a while. So interesting. But he wrote, "He's Gen- he sort genius of the face idea." Of this. It is, yeah, yeah. And he's like, "We recognize the road delivering this vision will be long, arduous, won't be achieved in isolation. we take coming together and forming a real movement around this pursuit." Our, our hope is to create more access to better, cheaper, and open financial services, no matter who you are, where you live, what you do, and how much you have. So he, he's, it's, a re- it's a very interesting rollout of Calibra and Libra. Um, they wanted to have a dedicated, regulated entity that, that has privacy. They say they're not going to share the data. That's the other thing. We've heard it loud and clear that you don't want yeah, social and right. financial data commingled. No, we do not. We do. Who said we want? Why well, even think of it in the first place? Anyway, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And I think they're going to a lot of pushback. They definitely are. And I don't think it will assuage anybody, the, the, all these things that they're doing. So, speaking of someone who doesn't believe them, Tim Cook has commenced his speech um at uh, Stanford. Yeah. What do you
1: think? Well, he's doubling down on what is probably the best communication strategy of the last 12 months. And He's basically said, "Okay, we need to we need to decouple from big tech uh, morally, and that is, we mm-hmm. need to say we're different, and double down on this this notion around privacy that they have actually been pretty principled about, and mm-hmm. start going after the other guys. And he's yeah. probably the CEO with the most moral authority. I would argue right now in America, um, yeah. maybe since uh, Indira Nui, I I always mangle her name." Nui. But, you know, saying, look, big tech is—you can't take the credit without the responsibility. <laughs> that was a great—that was a great line. He's definitely going after these guys. We saw the same thing. Yeah,
2: and he said, if you build a chaos factory. I loved—the chaos factory idea was fantastic. Again, yeah. I also used it in the column of the Times. If you build a chaos factory, you have to be responsible for the chaos. And I just love that he, like, calls them a chaos factory. He doesn't, he doesn't make anything else but chaos. I just love that. I thought that was a killer line. But of course, they, what's interesting is people in Silicon Valley reacting were like Tim Cook doesn't like tech, or you know, why can't you be positive about tech? And he's a scold. I always hear he's a scold.
1: Mm. You know, and he, so yeah.
2: it's an interesting. I don't think so at all. I think I think not in the least. I think he's an adult, is what he is.
1: Well, the only way you get to real, real significant progress in areas of real trouble like this, and this is your buddy Anand's uh, quote. So Anand geared to data, said, mm. "You need class traders." And basically, Tim Cook has decided mm-hmm. this is the right position to take for the world, even if it pisses off the folks at the country club or at whatever that Palo Alto breakfast places they all hang out at.
2: He doesn't hang out well, there. Who, he's like working out at like four in the morning. You get my meaning. He, he
1: you feel me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, got, he
2: just, I don't think he's part of this scene, but go ahead. Go ahead. But yeah,
1: he's basically said, look, I'm going to go after big tech because my market, I don't sell iPhones to big tech. I sell iPhones to the world. And the world is fed up with us, yeah. so I'm going to separate from us. I am not part of us. I'm something different. Yeah. And it's a brilliant strategy because the other guys are all sitting there befuddled. You
2: know, you know the, the only thing is the other guys are like, you know, Apple tracks you. You know, that's their big thing is Apple. Apple is just as bad, this and that.
1: Mm. They
2: try to sort of fud the situation by saying he's not as good as he seems, you know, that kind of
1: stuff. They're less bad. That's their,
2: that's their answer.
1: They're less bad. They're yeah. not— they're, they,
2: I know, but that's their answer. That, that's their answer. I'm like, uh, we're still focused on you and your shitty behavior. So it's interesting. It's an interesting reaction you get from them.
1: But they pull. Which is always
2: never— The iPhone. They, never the thing.
1: The iPhone pulls 70 to 100 data points a day. Android or free phones pull between 1,000 and 1,500. So they're bad, but they're yep. about you know five to six percent, or they're ninety four percent less bad. If you want to talk about sheer data, plus
2: I trust them with it. I trust. Them. I do trust them with it. I don't feel like I'm going to get unnecessarily screwed by Apple. Well, I don't think about that. I have to rank who you think you're going to screwed by. Like in a coin, I'd buy an Apple coin. i I'd buy an Amazon coin. I 100%. wouldn't buy a Facebook coin.
1: That's uh, you had yeah, that guy anyway. by the way. Just you. You kicked off his campaign when you interviewed him on MSNBC. And when he said, I wouldn't... I know, I
2: got him going. I wouldn't
1: be in that position. And the other thing is, the guy Mm -hmm. in the worst position in the world is the guy who was the head of portal. Someone interviewed him at Code, the guy charged with the Facebook Mm -hmm. portal product.
2: Oh, Andrew Bosworth. Andrew Bosworth. Yeah,
1: okay. So, Mr. Bosworth, never in the history of business has been someone been set up to fail as badly as you, Mr. Bosworth, because you could have released... (laughs) He literally could have released a vaccine to polio, and it's going to fail because there's no way. Here's Mark Zuckerberg. I'm going to put tape... Over every camera, on my <laughs> computers, but no. Let me take my camera into your house. I mean, it's just the, I would not. <laughs> the hypocrisy here is so thick, it's frightening.
2: Again, Apple's the only one I'd let in. I there you go. Say. I have I have an Eero, and now that Amazon bought it, I'm a little weary. I have a Ring, I a little weir- weary. It, it does make you nervous when. And my son is, as you know, has unplugged every Google device that we have in our home because he doesn't and, and trust Google. Everything. No.
1: But he trusts Apple.
2: Even though the house yeah, yeah, even though his mother mother worked for Google. Yeah. He doesn't trust Google at all.
1: And, no. and what about Amazon? Amazon.
2: Absolutely not. Really? Uh, he unplugs everything. He unplugs everything. He maybe he he could be one of those like off-the-grid people, but he doesn't like any of it. I think he's right. And speaking of which, uh, the FTC is investigating YouTube over children's videos yeah. and how they've been abused. Uh, obviously, this was the shoe that was going to drop, I think. It was pretty clear when they started discussing how they're handling uh, videos involving children on the on the site, and they've been taken advantage of by pedophiles.
1: So I, I'm... It seems inevitable. Uh, parent to parent, you have boys, two boys, that are a little bit older than mine. I have eight mm-hmm. and 11. I know yours are several years older. Have you had any... Mm-hmm. I experience in terms of your boys and objectionable content on YouTube?
2: They don't post a lot on YouTube. So I don't, that's not an issue. And I don't do a lot of videos. So it's, it, that's another issue. But here's the deal. I definitely see people contacting them on some of these services. And they're always, they always show me their phone, like, who is this? Who just left me this text message? Or who left me this message on this thing? And I'm like, do not respond. You know what I mean? There's a little bit of that. And I don't know why that happens. And I don't know if it's pedophiles. I don't know anything. I don't know quite what they're doing to get them to that point. But it's happened at least a dozen times. And so, you know, I think these kids are using these platforms and they're accessible. That's all. And and I think that they have to, you know, all these companies that they're taking so long to get to this issue, it seems like talk about low hanging fruit in terms of safety. This should be the most safe area. But, you know, they're, they're not that interested in the safety of gays and lesbians. They're not interested in the safety of women. And so even though they do say they are, and I think at their heart of hearts they are, the actions they take sort of say they aren't, or they or it's one of the many issues they've got to deal with that are they have a hard time handling.
1: Yeah, I've always really, I've always loved YouTube. I personally really enjoyed it. It's been good for my career. And last summer, mm-hmm we found what I'll loosely refer to as objectionable content on my eight-year-old's um, iPad on YouTube. Actually, it's his brother's iPad. And I know for all of you out there thinking, well, it's your fault as a parent letting your eight-year-old on an iPad.
2: Yeah, that's, that's, just, the, that's the what aboutism there.
1: Just so you know, that means you don't have kids because your 11-year-old has to have an iPad because all of his classmates have it. And once your 11-year-old has an iPad, the eight-year-old has to have access to it. And I looked at how this objectionable content came up. And he had typed in Harry Potter nude, N-U-D-E, and this really crazy, upsetting content came up. And I thought, if YouTube mm-hmm. and all their genius hasn't figured out a way, or Google, such that they can stop really objectionable content coming up around any modification of Harry Potter, then I would argue that really isn't a mm-hmm. priority. And it was I thought it was very upsetting. Uh, so the idea that they're trying to separate to a new YouTube kids, I think is a good idea. The other thing is, I don't think we should accept... That. We age gate all kinds of things. I I couldn't get into R-rated movies when I was 16. I had to wait till I was 17. So if movies can figure out a way to keep 16-year-olds out of objectionable content, you know, YouTube and Google with tens of billions of dollars in free cash flow can figure it out. There is age gating across all elements of our society and media. These mm-hmm. guys should be able to figure it out. And yep. for some reason they've decided They make all sorts of excuses and all of the excuses are Latin for we want unfettered content and unfettered business model. They should absolutely be able to age gate.
2: It's the same thing on a lot of things. They want unfettered. That's a really good way to put it. They just don't want to be responsible for monitoring anything. You know, and again, it's like like I always think about it, and I think I've talked about this, that it's like they've allowed people to think that's the way it is. You can do anything you want, you know, anywhere at time. And so it's like giving your children sugar, 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 and then saying, oh, you know what, you can't eat donuts, and they go crazy. Like, that's why they're getting all this crazy, um, which I think is the problem. Um, But what do you think is going to happen to the FTC? Well, maybe we'll talk about the predictions.
1: I don't know. All right? Yeah, I'm not sure.
2: You don't know? We'll see if our FTC has any juice. You think they will. I don't think they do. After the break, wins and
0: fails. The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Dot Bank, member FDIC. Only funds and
1: envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time.
0: Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens.
2: Wins and fails. Do, do you, you know have any? any?
1: I've been doing all the talking here. Do you have any wins and fails?
2: I think the win, no, that's okay. You do
1: that all the time. It's okay. You're used like to it. it. You're very smart. That's called
2: pivot. <laughs> I'm used to it. That's um, called pivot. I think, I know, I know, I know. So um, I think uh, the Slack IPO, I think that'll be interesting. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. I think um, it's a great product. I wonder, you know, looking at the, the finances, I'm a little worried about them losing so much money, But and I do still think they should get bought. That's always been my thought. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, that was a great win for Stuart Butterfield it's started off as a company. I visited him in Vancouver. He had a gaming company, and I mm-hmm. actually blank on the name every time. And it was a gaming company that failed, and they had made Slack as a communication system for the gaming company, and they turned that into a business. And, and it was good that their VCs, and actually it was Andreessen and Horowitz, just let them keep the five the remaining $5 million they had left and built Slack. And now, obviously, everybody's getting a payoff. So I think that is a win, in my opinion.
1: I agree. Wait, so hold on. In- Stuart Butterfield, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume this is a white male, Stuart Butterfield? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Isn't that the butler from The Family Affair? (laughs) Isn't that the Von Trapp family? What what is that? Stuart Butterfield? Oh, my God. I think we've met the whitest man in the the world. The butler
2: from Family Affair, which you're dating yourself, is Mr. French. But go ahead. Let me me guess.
1: He likes to speak at Ted, and he wears cardigans. Um, Okay, so my— my win is uh, Chewy, Chewy.com went public, mm-hmm. uh, $14 billion market cap up, I think 80% on the first day of trading. And it connotes something really interesting, and that is, is there a strategy or that there may be a strategy for carving out space in the world of e-commerce as a distribution platform for other companies? And it's specifically going after aspirational distribution. Now, what do I mean by that? Amazon is algorithmically okay. driven.
2: Aspirational distribution. Okay. All right. Okay.
1: Well, okay. So... Rolex put, a, Rolex, put a parenthesis of There you go. Like. Rolex want to distribute through Target. And they spent a ton of money trying to figure mm-hmm. out at LBMH, and they built out 700 stores. Apple, the gangster business strategy of the last 20 years, let's invest in distribution that matches their foots to the quality of our brand. And I was with AB InBev earlier this morning, and they asked, Well, what would you do if you were AB InBev? And I said, Full stop, you have amazing brands, you have amazing product. But where's the Sephora of drinks and alcohol? I said, and I use these exact words. I said, where I buy beer, I'm half expecting to get shot. These are It's terrible distribution. <laughs> it's gas stations. It's liquor stores. It feels really sketchy. Where is the Sephora? Where is the restoration hardware of the drinks industry? So distribution matters. And because of their algorithmically driven uh, merchandising model, Essentially, Amazon is terrible distribution. It's kind of low-end, lowest price, convenience. Okay, we get it. It's sort of the target in the Walmart times 10 of the internet. But in the pet food industry, I mean, you and I can both relate to this. Every year, people spend more money on their pets. It's been the category that keeps Mm -hmm. on giving. But if you look at the distribution, it largely bifurcates into these large, big-box Petco and PetSmart that aren't that aspirational or to family-run pet stores that smell funny. There's no, there's no <laughs> William Sonoma of pet stores, and so they saw an opportunity. All these high-end organic brands, where they like love the lamb to death before they chop it into parts for Muffy or whatever.
2: Yeah, all these high-end. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All these high-end, like Blue Buffalo. Exactly. Blue Buffalo. That's my. Day.
1: All these high-end products need better distribution, and Chewy said we're going to get massively overinvest in consumer service. We're going to pull a play out of Amazon. The CEO there is from Amazon. We're going to lose money like a bandit, but we're going to have incredible service, but we're going to cater to high-end brands. And so the learning here is that probably the best way to try and combat Amazon or carve out a space is to go after, say, we're the aspirational point of distribution online. Zalando did it in Europe pretty successfully. But good for them to have a $14 billion market cap. And I fail to see how they're going to grow into that as the three key components, Kara. Of, you know, Mm -hmm. the real gangster stock appreciation, I believe, are one, explosive growth, two, recurring revenue, and then three, network effects. And they really only have one, although they do have a membership model that works potentially pretty well. So two of the three. But it's hard to see how they go Mm -hmm. into that market cap. But bottom line, it's great to see an e-commerce company doing well. It's also great. To see. may I just yeah. say is
2: this pets.com may I just ask is this pets.com reborn oh
1: gosh that hurts is this pets.com I don't think so these guys have billions of dollars in revenue huge customer loyalty and they're losing well, money. But
2: pets.com might have been right it might have been right correct
1: uh, one of my first companies got bought by might've... Potopia their their uh, competitor I don't know that no oh, Potopia remember yeah I do well trust me I remember Potopia um I have I still have a lot of shares in Potopia if you want to buy them um but I no, don't thanks. think – yeah, I think this is a better business model. It's a better-run company, more top-line revenue, growing faster. This is a real business, and it's worth something. I just don't know if it's worth $14 billion, but only the one of two sole unicorns in my home state, Florida. Quick trivia mm-hmm. question. Can you name the other one? Chewy.com is one. In Miami, there's one other – think about it. Third-largest economy or third-largest state in the union, we only have two unicorns. Do you know the second? Hangingchads.com. Hangingchads. Stealingelections.com. There you go. <laughs> I don't know that's what? us. Disney.com. No, it's um what? it's um, Magic Leap, the VR company, which uh, you know, okay. I think is going
2: Yeah, Magic Leap. Going right. going yeah, no, nowhere that's fast. That's true. It's right down there. So, so We'll see about that. We'll see about that. All right. Uh, a a fail. Do you have a fail? Well, this so week?
1: my fail was going to be Sunder's uh, fear mongering about you know unintended consequences, yeah. but I've got a new one. Yesterday, Sheryl Sandberg was in okay. was in Cannes, talking about.
2: She was in Cannes. Con- and- what do you call it? Con- it's con. Cans. What are you calling it over there? Cans.
1: No, it's not even. I thought it was Cannes. Cannes. Can. Okay. Good. And I found out from my driver. It's not. It's, it's gone. 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 Like you're angry at somebody. Con. Gone. Okay. Anyway,
2: Uh, it's con. Whatever, con is
1: fine. So, so my loser is Cheryl Sandberg, who went as in Chaka, Chaka, Chaka Khan. No, 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 not even close.
2: Chaka Khan. I feel for you, Kara Cheryl Sandberg. She's in con. She flew all the way over there.
1: You should see my moves when Chaka Khan comes on. Oh my God! It's time to spread a little. Scott, back
2: to your dancing.
1: It's awesome. I look like I literally dance.
2: that is something I hope never to happen. Just, that I am anywhere near your dance. Just
1: imagine that is
2: my goal. Just
1: imagine Ichabod Crane having a grand grandma epileptic seizure. That is what it's like <laughs> to watch the big dog bust a move. Okay, so Shell uh, Samberg getting one of her softball interviews. And they're like, How has the last yeah. year been for you? And she paused and she looked at the audience stockfully and said, It's been hard it's been hard. So, anyways, Cheryl <laughs> Sandberg is my loss, my fail for figuring out a way to retool gross negligence on a cosmic scale into executive stress. Has it been hard on you, Cheryl? Has it been really hard on you?
2: Who was the interviewer? Who's the oh, interviewer? I don't
1: know. Some some attractive woman in a sleeveless dress known as a journalist from every business news network in the world. Um, anyways, who probably went to McGill or, or Kellogg and is a very thoughtful person who's like an airline pilot in the oh 70s and that her best days of glory are behind her like every other business news anchor. Uh. But anyways, it's been very right, hard. So it's been she, very hard. You thought hard. she was
2: not as, as – she got, a, she got a not good reviews for it. I'll tell you that. She didn't get good reviews. For
1: well, me. I mean it's been hard on her. It's been hard on her. Really? It's been hard on you? Well, guess what? It's been hard – how about all of the women who are slowly but surely losing their reproductive rights at the hands of an illegitimate president that you helped elect because of your gross negligence? It's been pretty hard on them, Cheryl. All right. OK. I'm angry. So, fail. Where's the rosé? <laughs> where's <see>. the rosé? <laughs> you need to have Come water, on. You need to
2: have gallons. I have with no fingers.
1: excuse to be angry right now. It is beautiful hair. I
2: like that people are coming up to you wondering where I am. We're like,
1: like Conjoined <laughs> Twins that have been recently separated. They see me and they smile and they go, where's Kara? Like we hang out together all the time. They literally think that you and I just <laughs> roll around all the like time you. and find a mic and start complaining about big tech. That's how we live our lives, according to everybody yeah.
2: here. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, I hope you enjoy yourself. So, Scott, before I leave you to have Rosé with Cheryl Sandberg, I would like a prediction from you. What's your prediction? That, that, that'll never happen. That's my prediction.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I think that uh, the two best-performing IPOs of or new issuances of 19 – and, again, I think there's three critical criteria here. Explosive growth, recurring revenue, and network effects – I think Zoom and the company Mm -hmm. that did their direct listing this week, Slack, have all of those three things. And I have trouble finding all of those three things in any of the other. All the other IPOs or direct listings have two of the three, maybe with the exception of Spotify, but I got that wrong. So I'm very Mm -hmm. bullish. People always say I'm so negative. I'm very bullish on both Slack and Zoom. So look to them to perform well over the next 12 months.
2: Even though Slack has those, those revenue issues. I mean, there was slowing revenue growth, even though it's quite spectacular, it's slowing. And also, they're losing money. You, you're not worried about that. You don't think investors will be concerned?
1: I can not tell you the, the kind of informal net promoter score uh, that I've registered across small companies um, I work with around Slack is that it's almost like this virus that takes mm-hmm. over the organization. And people love it and can't live without yep, it. Yep. So it, to me, seems like a great product.
2: Great product. All right. And and where are you with Uber still? Where are you with? Them? Oh, Uber and
1: Lyft are, yeah. Speaking. Uber and Lyft are still waiting for their massive um, uh, implosion. We're going to lose the value of Ford Motor between uh, the, the value destruction we're going to see at Uber and Lyft over the next twelve months.
2: All right. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, I hope you enjoy yourself. So next week we're, we have a guest host stepping in for you. Casey Newton of The Verge who's written an amazing piece speaking of Facebook on the moderators and their terrible lives of moderating all the 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 drek and toxicity that flows over the Facebook platform. He's got, he's going to talk about that and more. Um, where are you going to be? Where where's your where's your destination?
1: You know I don't like it, and it makes me feel insecure when you're bringing people more credible and more talented than me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just talking about that article. That. that article was great. Yeah, was that was great. a hell of an article.
1: That yeah, was good. Good stuff. Uh,
2: where are you going to be, Scott? Uh, where are you? I, where, are you traveling more?
1: I'm going to be in Greece. I head to Greece on Saturday morning.
2: How interesting! Because I'm coming to France tomorrow.
1: What are you doing in France, Kara?
2: I'll just miss you. I'm taking my lovely girlfriend on a vacation. Go on
1: for a short time.
2: And then I'm I know, and then I'm going to Brussels to talk to the Brussels regulators. I'm going to London to do podcasts with all kinds of powerful people there, possibly oh my Con God., there's Carol Cadwallader. I'm gonna be doing a lot of work too, besides my sojourn in Paris. oh my God, bring so, in I'm impressing
1: your new girlfriend with France and then heading to Brussels to do some high-end. you're a saucy little minx. You're trying to show off <laughs> you're, you're throwing your feathers out there. You're like, I'm a peacock. Check out Mommy. Check out Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> oh this is good this is good i think i'm just
2: gonna add some oysters you yeah, know yeah. my girlfriend speaks french for lonely so that's gonna be fun of course she knows she how does. to say con and i will of ask her how to say does. it properly all right neither of us should be, should be in paris in any way but but she can go it's, it'll be nice i'll just be quiet next to her and eat crepes quietly in the corner um, anyway thank you scott i'll thank miss you, you the week you're gone and then but i'll be back do we'll you mean back that again that's the nicest thing you've
1: July. ever said to me do you mean that do you really mean that?
2: Yes, I do. I hope oh, you do. Oh, that makes no, me no, feel
1: no. nice. No, it's like, <laughs> I feel warm all over. No,
2: I'm just trying to lull you. No, uh, no. Just Karen go get some rosé and hang out with Cheryl Sanders. You miss You've me. You both had a hard year.
1: Yeah, me, me and <laughs> Cheryl. Go find
2: Cheryl and share, share a rosé with Cheryl Sanders. Well, you know, Cara, a really
1: nice you know your... it's been hard. What? It's been hard. It's been hard on me.
2: You can pay for it with Libra. There you can you go. pay for it with Libra. It's all gonna be good. It's all be good. anyway, Scott. Have a good time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Camila Salazar produced our show today. Nishad Kerwa is Pivot's executive producer. Thanks also to Eric Johnson. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, and if you like this week's episode, leave us a review.